It's more current than the, than the, the, the newspaper, anything that you can get instantly on the internet now. And I, I, I want you to be prayerful for me. I want you to be patient with me. I will get to the message that I'm going to preach, but it'll be right last. And it's going to be my introduction. It'll be the longest part of this thing this morning. And I hope it helps you. Anybody else besides me curious about what's happening in Israel? How it connects with prophecy if it does? The end time. Folk, I, I like what Robert said. Listen, folks, we're, we're, we're soon to go. I believe that with all of our heart. And I believe that there is, and there's always a purpose in what God does, but there's a great purpose in what God is allowing to happen uh, here in Israel ever since last Saturday on the 7th. Now, y'all do know that that happened 50 years, almost to the day when they, when they had that great Yom Kippur War in 73. Y'all remember that? So it's amazing, friend. No, no accidents. And let me tell you this before I get started, and I'll tell it to you in my remarks without any apology. Hamas does not want to coexist with Israel. He wants to obliterate Israel. What was done was terroristic. You don't go, friend, in a caboose and kill. And this come from an IDF commander, his testimony, kill 40 babies and behead some. Man, they're wicked, do you hear me? This is compared to ISIS. Now, here's what I want you to be cautious of. In the days ahead, and I've read newspaper reports, and, and, and those that are totally to the, they don't slant left. They live way beyond the left that they're trying now to turn it around on Israel. Israel's defending themselves, and they're giving more angst to Israel for the numbers that have died since they've retaliated. Let me tell you, we have a right to defend ourselves, and so should Israel if and they do they put their citizens in places they know are military targets that's not Israel's fault Israel's the only nation I know Philip that says hey y'all best get getting because we're coming warns them before they come so you all pray for them it's not going to be political but here's what it is going to be it's going to be biblical we as believers need to have a biblical worldview of what's going on in the world. Not a political worldview, not a social worldview, not a popular worldview, but a view of the world through the Word of God. That's what I'm going to try to do in this message. The book of Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 5. I say the truth in Christ... I lie not, say Paul, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Great verse, verse 3 is. I mean, condemns me every time I read it. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, meaning Israel, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh, 
Christ came who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. Father, I'm thankful today for the privilege of being in this place. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the blessings that you've already given us, the fellowship that we've had. Thankful for the word of God that was taught, the songs that were sung, the testimonies that had a touch of God on them. We're thankful, we're thankful now, Lord, for this book we call the Bible that you have inspired and preserved perfectly unto this day. And Father, we're thankful that you have given us the Spirit, Lord, to illuminate our minds and our understanding on the great truths that you revealed to holy men of God long ago. And I pray, God, that you would stir us. We're aware as much as we can be to what's going on in that land and among that people that you have chosen for your own. We love Israel, God. We want to stand for Israel and with Israel today. May, Lord, we be doing that as we stand here and make the remarks we do. God of heaven, all of this is in your hands. We know what you've got according to the word of God prepared for your children. And Lord, though some come against them, we know, Father, that your word will stand. Bless us today. Strengthen us, challenge us as we hear the warning that's in this. And Father, if there be any man, woman, boy, or girl lost and undone among us, may they realize, God, how important it is to be saved when Jesus comes and that he's coming soon. In the name of your Son, I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you a little while about what's behind the hatred of Israel. What's behind the hatred of Israel? Have you ever wondered why people hate Israel? Anybody in here ever take an aspirin? If you have, say amen. Do you know that it was a Jew that created an aspirin or developed it? Did y'all know that? I mean, I could go on and on. That's what I'm going to preach on, of the benefits and the blessings of God's chosen people, what they have given to the world, provided to the world. But let me cut to the chase. The greatest thing that Israel's ever given us is God's only begotten Son that came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, there is vitriol hatred against the nation of Israel. And they are one of, if if not the most peaceful people in all the world. They're going to defend themselves. When they got back in the land in 1948, they had a sense in their heart that's still in their heart that they're never going to be uprooted again. They're there to stay. Try as Hamas may, try as Hezbollah may, try as Iran slash Persia may, they're not going to be uprooted again. And let it be known, everybody listening, say amen. They're not in occupied territory. It's their territory. Now, I told you it's going to be biblical. Whether you agree with me or not on some of these things, it's up to you. But I am looking at the Word of God, and from that, that's where I get my convictions. I get my conviction. Hey, do y'all know there's never been a Palestinian state? Do you? They're claiming that land, but there has never been a Palestinian state. 
There has not been an Arab state in that land. There has not even been a Muslim state in that land. Now, the Muslims think they own Jerusalem because they fought a battle there one time, won a victory, and in their mind, any place they win a victory, that land is always there. Let me, let me tell some of the imams something this morning that may shock them. It wasn't their land to begin with. It's not their land to claim. God created it, and God granted it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of his seed, not seeds. Doesn't belong to the Ishmaelites. Ishmael was not a son of promise. He was a son of the works of the flesh. He was Abraham's son, but he was not the son of promise. Are y'all okay? You may as well be because I'm not changing the message. Lord willing, I'll get back to Romans 4, 5, and 6 quickly enough. But I want to consider some things today, if I may. One of the questions is, how are we to understand what's going on in Israel? She's at war again. And it's simply because she exists as a nation and is in the place that Jehovah God promised, as I've already said, to Abraham long ago. Now, I know to a lot of people in this world, what was written when it was written in the book of Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham, or at least spoken, it was recorded later, seems to be archaic and ancient and out of touch with reality. But let me tell you something, friend. God says what he means, means what he said, and he said, Abraham, if you'll just believe me, I'll do some things for you. I'll give you a seed. I'll give you a land. You'll be the means of a blessing to all people. And Abraham had the sense enough to say, I'll believe you. Listen, that's called the Abrahamic promise it has not changed it was a promise or a covenant made of grace it is not dependent upon Abraham or his children it's dependent upon God God gave it God sealed it and he will see that it is come to pass that they'll get all of that land you see this message friend is given with no apologies. God promised Abraham an area of 300,000 square miles. Did y'all know that? From Hamath in the north to the river of Egypt in the south, from the Mediterranean to the shores of, of, of Euphrates. I imagine it's shocking to some of the Iranians that they and their border is in the promised land. God's got a sense of humor. Do y'all know that? Jordan doesn't belong to Jordanians. Hey, I could go on, but do you get it? But listen now. The only area that Israel has had since God promised it to them was some 30,000 square miles that David and his son Solomon possessed when the kingdom of Israel was at its zenith. 
And I'll tell you something about that more in just a little bit. You see, God gave it to Israel, and regardless of what Hamas says, they're there to stay. I don't care about Hezbollah, Iran, the UN, the Palestinians, the Muslim, or Satan himself. It's still the promised land. Thank you, dear. I agree. I feel like coming down there and saying, Amen, myself. After 2,000 years of being buried among the nations, on May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel, under the leadership of David Ben-Gurion, hoisted their Star of David flag. And I want to say first, glory, hallelujah, and declared themselves once again a sovereign, independent state. And I say glory to God for that. They're back in the land to stay. Now, if you read Ezekiel 37, and I hope you do, you'll find that God told Ezekiel that the bones in the valley are very dry. Ezekiel told God that. One of the most amazing things that God ever did was yet, in my opinion, one of the most strangest things was to bury his people in different nations. I've been told by scholars that they were there in among 70 different nations. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever hide something in plain sight? In essence, that's what God did. And he preserved them that way. You say, preacher, that's an accident. No, it's not. Go, go find the Hittites. Go find the Canaanites. Go find the Jebusites and the Hittites and the Termites and see what they have to say about it. God has done a miracle. They're his and they're his forever. Now, the Palestinians, the Arabs, the Iranians, which are Persians, or Hamas, according to the charter of Hamas, do not, let me say it again, do not want to cohabitate with Israel. Israel would be willing to consent to a two-state solution. Israel has given up land. They lost the whole Sinai Peninsula and the oil that was there to keep Egypt happy. They have given land away for peace, but Hamas and their charter, you know what it says? It says they want total annihilation, destruction, obliteration of the nation of Israel. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 83 and 4, and listen to their heart cry out in this. This is a psalm written by Asaph. It had to do with a war, I believe, uh, when David was king of Israel. Now, when you read on these different wars, and there are seven 
to nine different wars that are yet to happen between now and the last war of Gog and Magog in the book of the Revelation, chapter 20, at the end of that chapter. There are seven wars to be fought between then or between now and then. The characters in this passage, if you read it, are near neighbors of Israel. So, you've got to pay attention on what's being said. If you're an 83, say amen. Look at verse 4. They have said, he's talking about the enemies in verse 2 of Israel. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. You say, where does that desire come from? It comes from the very heart of Lucifer a.k.a. Satan. It has been propagated and passed along all the way down to this day. Now look, this passage, 83, Psalm 83, just in my opinion, it was fought again. This was a war fought led by David against his enemies. So what about this war is what I want to know about. Is it prophecy? Well, listen to me, my disclaimer, I can't, all those others may, and I've not heard anybody say it yet that I listen to or I've researched, I can't, I'm just saying I can't see any immediate prophecy being fulfilled by this war being fought. But I believe it has a purpose. In fact, I believe it has two. Number one, I believe it is a warning. Number two, I believe it is a reminder. Turn quickly to the book of Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is really the upper room, not the upper room discourse, but the, uh, the Mount Olivet discourse. It's told by Jesus are recorded by Matthew in Matthew 24 and 5 is recorded here in the book of Luke in chapter 21 and I'm going to pick it up in verse 20 and read a few verses just very quickly I've got to I think I've got time chapter 21 verse 20 in the book of Luke and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed about with armies then know that the desolation is nigh now this passage is for the past for the time of the tribulation. It really has, if I understand it correctly, a reference to the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation just prior to the establishment of the millennial kingdom. Give me room to, to move on that if I'm wrong, but my memory, I didn't study it out. That's what it says. So it's not speaking about what's going on in Israel. They only have two fronts in Israel, one in the north uh, near uh, 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 Lebanon and Hezbollah and one in the, in the southwest by those idiots called Gazites. And do you all know when the Britons began to give back the land and the UN began to break it up, one of the biggest questions was what will we do with Gaza? Are you all aware of that? And do you all know what? They tried to give it to Egypt and Egypt said we don't want those idiots. Read up on it. Do you all know that they're complaining about Israel now? That they won't let these Gazans in and out? 
But you know what? Egypt has shut up its southern border and won't let them out. You don't hear about that in the news, do you? The news is so biased, so anti-Israel that it is not funny. And I'm going to tell you what, one day America is going to turn away from them because it says all nations. That's what it says. Now, America may not even be a nation by that time. Now, that's real possible. But if she is standing with a national notoriety, she'll come against Israel just as sure as I'm standing here. And that saddens me. Where was I going? Book of Luke. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mount. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Let not them that are in the countries uh, enter otherwise. For these be the day of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. All right, he's talking about the tribulation. He said, uh, pick it up in verse 25. There shall be signs in the suns and the moon and the stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity of the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And here's what I wanted to get at. When you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. Now, to rightly divide the book, that is applicable only to the nation of Israel in that day. The Jew. But to make it applicable in usage, it is a warning and a reminder to us that are saved that Jesus is coming soon and we need to be ready. And if there is a lost man, woman, boy, or girl in here, let me tell you what I'd do right now. I'm going to give you my altar call. I'd get off my hind end. I'd get on my knees at this altar, and I'd beg God to save me, and I'd stay there till I knew for sure he had. If you don't, you're going to be here when all hell breaks loose, and you may be one of the first of four million to die before a seven-year period of time passes by. And you'll die lost and go to hell forever. It's a warning and a reminder. Hey, just because he hadn't come doesn't mean he's not coming. He is not tarrying. He that shall come will come and will not tarry, Hebrews tells us. He has a precise day hour and time and like he came the first time when the fullness of time was come he'll come the next time when it's time for him to come I hope y'all are liking this half as well as I am God will fulfill his word don't ever doubt it don't forget it now we throw words out from the pulpit a lot of times Sometimes I'm very guilty of figuring, well, if I know them, surely you all do, but that's not right. But that's complimentary. You say, why? Because I give you credit for being smarter than what you are. That was funny. But it's still complimentary if it hurts. I do give you credit. I mean that. But when I'm talking about a Semite, what am I talking about? I am talking about someone that is a descendant from Shem. One of the three sons of Noah. Out of his tribe, or his loins, if you will, came 
Israel. Came Abraham. Hence the Israelites. Hence the Jews. And if you, friend, are, are a Semite, that means you're a descendant of Shem or an Israelite. Are y'all with me? So when we speak of anti-Semitism, we're speaking of hatred, hostility, prejudice against Israel. Y'all got that? Now, do you know where that originated and why? It originated in the heart of Lucifer. We now know as Satan. Lucifer was his name when he was the preeminent angel. You can read about his creation in the book of Ezekiel 28, about his fall in the book of Isaiah 14. At one time, Lucifer with his pipes, perfect, his vocal cords, sang praises to God Almighty. Now, I'm going to cut on a limb here. Is that all right? I believe while Lucifer was there in his position, who used to sing praises to God, there wasn't a need of four beasts that had strange faces. We know as seraphims or cherubims. I believe Satan did their job before he fell. And after he fell, God made sure that the ones that were there that were so much in the presence of Christ would be sure to reflect his glory to them. And he created those seraphims and cherubims to do that specific thing where they cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Now, I don't have any Bible to back that up. In reality, it just came from heaven. And I like it or I wouldn't have told it to you. But as he watched all this worship come before God, he became jealous. And he decided that he would lift his throne above the throne of God, so he rebelled. He got hatred in his heart for God, anger against God, and from since that time, it's been Satan's desire, it still is, to overthrow God and get the worship that was due God. In fact, that's what he's going to do in the middle of the tribulation. In the middle of Daniel's 70th week of prophecy that we have in the book of Daniel chapter 9, there is going to be a break, chapter 12 and 13 of the book of the Revelation. At the three and a half year break between the first three and a half and the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And in that temple, he's going to enter in and declare himself to be God. I got news for him. Wrong. Right, are y'all with me? So from that time, Satan has actively throughout history tried to thwart God's plan and program. We can see it throughout the Word of God. I'm only going to mention three. There was a man by the name of Haman wanted to obliterate the Jews, did he not? There was a man by the name of Pharaoh said, you kill all the males of Israel. There was a guy by the name of Herod. He said, you go quickly to Jerusalem and you wipe out all those three-year, two-year-old and under kids so that they can kill the Messiah. Are y'all with me? And a guy by the name of Hitler, he tried to hold, destroy the whole nation. Y'all know there are people that believe that, 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 that the uh, um, Holocaust did not happen? Man, 
People are ignorant because they choose to be ignorant, but it's not being taught very well either. So you know what is behind all of that? Here is why Lucifer is continuing to purport his ideology. He thinks falsely that if he can destroy the chosen of God, the elect of God, that he can, again, I'm going to use the word for it, God's plan, interrupt his plan, keep it from being fulfilled, and prove God to be a liar and powerless to fulfill his will. Woo! My God is almighty. He's just not a mighty God. He is almighty. If that's not plain enough, Jesus said, I've got all power in heaven and in earth. I say glory to God. You know what else I say? Bring it on, Slewfoot. Bring it on. He believes it. He's the only one I want to see die and go to hell. Absolutely. I'm glad he's going to that, going there now. And I'm getting close. And besides that, you're not going to be late. They're not going to start until I get there anyway. <laughs> to me, I know there's more. And the message here again is a reminder. You see, God's word is true and everybody else is a liar. And people, if you're looking on not ready, you need to get ready. I beg of you, everybody knows something's going on. Even the people that hate Israel are looking to Israel. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? God's got a great sense of humor. Those that hate and want to annihilate Israel, you know where they concentrate? Their thoughts, their plans, their vision, their energy. Do y'all think that's by chance? God is such a funny fella. Listen, friend, I want to tell you something. There's not a jot or a tittle that's going to pass from this book till it's all fulfilled. You see, God put Abraham's people right where they needed to be. In fact, I'm not going to turn there, but I'm going to tell you what it says. Ezekiel 5.5, 5, God said that he set them in the midst of all the people round about them. You know what that means? Israel is the center point of planet Earth, of God's universe, actually. And let me go a little bit further. The city of Jerusalem is the navel of that, if you'll allow me to say it that way. And really, I think in my studies, that may be what it says in the Hebrew, that it is the navel. Isn't that amazing? The place of life. Now listen to what God gave me. This is a quotable quote, at least I think that it is. In those days... In the city of Jerusalem where God put his name. Out, out of all the places. And y'all know what? Listen to me. All of y'all that's been to Israel say amen. Say it. Like there have been a few been to Israel. It's not the be most beautiful city you've ever seen, is it? A lot of rock. Oh, there's some flowers here and there and gardens and whatnot. But you know what makes that place beautiful? It's not physical. It's spiritual. God said, this is my city. God said, this place, I'll put my name. That's why all the hubbub is over it. That's why all the hatred against it. 
That, that's why people want to annihilate it, change it. They even tried to change its name. But it's a place God said, I'll put my name there. And listen, listen to this quotable quote. In the days of Solomon, God brought the world to Jerusalem. Did he not? What did Sheba say? She traveled a long way. People were coming to Jerusalem to see that one of seven wonders of the world. They were really there to see God manifest. God brought the world to Jerusalem. In the church age, he has sent his word from Jerusalem into all the world. Oh, that's good, isn't it? That's good. You see, I believe this is a warning again and a reminder. I can't see this war fitting any of the wars that are yet to come. Here's what I'm saying. I believe it is a precursor. Hey, hey, wake up. Don't go to sleep. Pay attention. It's coming. This is something like what will happen. How many of y'all glad the church is going to be gone when all this mess starts? Thank God I am too. I could, I could shout and run around a little bit. Now, let me give you the message. Verses 4 and 5 of the book of Romans chapter 9, to me, give the biblical rationale for the hatred of the Jews, God's chosen, His elect, His Son, the apple of His eye. All of those phrases, all of those words, all of those connotations point to the nation of Israel. They're all true about Him. And let's see what they are. There are eight of them, I believe. But look now, these gifts... These gifts of great privilege and advantage, they came with great responsibility. So let's look at the first one, and I mean brief. I'm not even going to turn to the verses and read the few that I was going to turn to read. But if you want to take notes, I'll give you a couple that may help you make your study a little simpler. Number one, he said, pay attention. He said, to whom pertaineth the adoption? Now listen to me, everybody. We are born into the family of God. We are not adopted into the family of God. You get in God's family by a new birth. Then you're adopted or placed in the position of a full-grown son, even when you're a newborn in Christ, giving you all the rights and the privileges thereof. In the Old Testament, the use of the word adopt is right because God chose Israel to become his son. He chose Abraham and his seed after him. He chose the Jews. And if you look in the book of Exodus 4.22, you'll find that there he called them his son. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verses 6, 7, maybe in 8, you'll find that God chose the nation of Israel not because of their size or anything special about them, just simply because God loved them. It was solely on his part. That's what election is, divine sovereignty in action. Now let me say, let me say this, if I may. Can a Lord? I can't. Number two. Number two, the glory. You know what he's talking about there? The nation of Israel was the only nation on the face of God's footstool to see the manifest presence of God. Saw it on Mount Sinai, did they not? But you know what? They had it present with them throughout the wilderness journey. 
If you go to chapter 13 of the book of Exodus, let me get the, uh, the numbers right, the right verses. It's verses 20 and 21. You'll see that a cloud followed them in the day, a pillory cloud, and in the night it was a pillory cloud of fire. You know what that was? That was nothing but, nothing less than the Shekinah glory of God. In the tabernacle and in the temple, listen, in chapter 40, verse 38 of the book of Exodus, listen, when they dedicated or completed the work on the temple, the glory of God, the cloud filled that place. So great it was that, uh, that Moses and Aaron could not enter therein. First Kings chapter 8, maybe verse 10. And Solomon prayed that great dedicatory prayer. The glory of God entered into that temple. Oh, it was amazing to have the glory of God or you could say it this way, the God of glory in your midst. And the covenants, I've already mentioned then. The, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, which is the law, and the Davidic covenant. Everybody listen, God's going to fulfill them. They have yet to be fulfilled but trust me when I say they will be fulfilled perfectly to the T. God will see to it. There were seven covenants given. One of them, only one, is a covenant that deals with works. All the others are a covenant of grace. They're not dependent upon man, but upon God. And listen, God's no liar. God's no man's debtor. What he said he will do, what he promised he will keep. And then he said the giving of the law. He's talking about, of course, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. And it was more than the Ten Commandments. The law of Moses actually contained three sections of law. The law that we know mostly is the Ten Commandments, and that is having to do uh, with, uh, somebody help me, I've lost the word. Moral law, thank you, I got the other two. It has to do with the moral law, thou shalt and thou shalt not. But there's also the civil law, how to get along with each other. And then the ceremonial law, how to approach God, how to worship Him, how to sacrifice, how to please Him, how, friend, that, that they could approach Him religiously. And then he says the service of God. you know what that means? That means that Israel alone, Israel alone was instructed on how to approach God's tabernacle, God's temper, temple with proper sacrifice, with proper service, and with a priesthood that God would allow in. No other nation had that privilege. None had that privilege. And then the promises. Can I... Can I narrow it down and nail it to one promise? When you thrash them all out, oh, all the others are good, but they're not as good as the one I'm thinking. Anybody know what it is? The Messiah. The promises, but the promise of the Messiah. You say, who is the Messiah? We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about God manifest in the flesh, and we'll see that in a second. We're talking about the Deliverer, the Savior. The Redeemer. Oh, listen, friend. What a great promise God gave to the nation of Israel. It talks about His reign, His rule, His redemption. 
Not only for glory, but for whosoever wills. Come on, Judy. And what about the promises? Doug, I don't know if we got any famous people in our genealogy or not. Dad never did tell us. I don't know if we got anybody come over on the Mayflower. Don't know whether there's anybody over in England that, you know, uh, rose to any kind of fame. But I'll tell you this. God gave to Israel Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, the patriarchs of old. And it was through them that God sent his son Jesus into the world. And look at the last, look at the last of verse 5. He said, now look at this, of whom? As concerning the flesh, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. He took not on him the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. So pertaining to the flesh of Jesus, who was God manifest in the flesh, God incarnate, he got that from those three men. But concerning, listen now, concerning Christ, who is overall God-blessed forever, listen, he's the mediator. No other nation, as far as, as his flesh is concerned, had any part of that. But he was deity and blessed overall forever. I want to tell Satan something this morning. He can't understand it if he hears it. His plan and program won't work. Jeremiah 31, 36, 37, and I'll quit. I'm not done. I'm packing a whole lot more home than I'm leaving with you today. Is there any way possible for Satan to succeed? Jeremiah 31 and 36 says, Thus saith the Lord in 35, excuse me, which giveth the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea, when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation forever. Verse 37, thus saith the Lord, if heaven and above can be measured. Y'all know they've tried measuring the, the heavens, the universe, and you know what they found? They found that they could sort of measure it, but when they got to the end of it, they found out that it was still expanding. They can't reach the end of it. And he said, The foundation of the earth searched out beneath. I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. Maybe I should have named this message, It Ain't Gonna Happen. Every head bowed, nobody looked.